Hello, everyone. I'm Mark L. Vincent. I direct the Convene Consulting Network, and it's a lot of fun to be able to host these kinds of conversations with uh, business leaders and subject matter experts who care very much about the impact of their work, uh, where companies learn and grow and are better because they were there. And today, I think we have a really important and timely conversation with Ron Smedley from Synergistic Resource Associates. He is a part of the Convene Consulting Network, is a deeply respected and well-traveled HR consultant and expert, and is being called on very heavily right now during these times of pandemic, uh, times of cultural crisis, workforce concerns, just a number of hot button issues and he's right in the middle of them. And he's been actually doing some education, not just on a national level, but a global level of late. So Ron, thank you for being here. I'm really oh. glad that we can talk at such an important time. And um, I'm going to start with a real broad question first, because sure. it feels like without just normal grounding, it's gonna be hard to get to the specific stuff. So before we talk about the critical matters in general, for an HR leader, an HR department that are performing marvelously, what is it that they're doing in general that sets the stage well for being able to be responsive at a time like this? Oh, first of all, Mark, thanks for letting me be a part. And it's my pleasure to whatever to share whatever I can for others. You know that. And I, th I think that's a great question because those that are doing well already know the answers, those that don't, it'll help. And the first key thought that goes along with being a good HR person is you have to know who you are. <laughs> HR is probably one of the most abused phrases, human resources, I think in business, because everyone thinks they know what it is because they hear the word human and resources. But really, um, what I have found and what I also teach in graduate school to HR professionals over at Claremont is that you need to create your own definition of HR. You need to know for you personally, what are you going towards? Because if you don't know where you're going, you're not going to get there to quote Lewis Carroll and Alice in the Looking Glass. And mm. let me share, let me share my definition, if I could. And I encourage people to have their own and definitely plagiarize. Mine is, <laughs> it's HR, the intentional and strategic, very purposeful, very strategic, advantageous, synergized, bringing things together to be stronger as a grid, as a unit, actions of the core thoughts, employing, maintaining and developing people to become transformational. I'm going to share later more about that. Transformation is different than transactions. It has to transform in everything we do within the organization while successfully impacting, and it could be directly or indirectly, because sometimes things happen like this. Sometimes, as you know, mm. it takes a period of time before the light bulb goes off, but they're, but they're impacting directly or indirectly the goals and metrics of either the organization a department, or it could be an individual. It doesn't matter. It could be one or all of those. But the point is, it's very purposeful and it's very relational. So that's one point. You have to know who you are in that sense. The other is you have to have the right tools. Within the department, you need to have a strategy within your department as how you're going to perform when anybody in management or employee comes to you. You need to know um, several key areas and, that are important and know exactly where you stand on them. And many people don't, they just, they're basically going by the short tail of what's happening and moving forward. And I totally recommend to have a good model for what is HR strategy within your department, even if it's a one person department. 
And I have one I like to use, but there's others that I like to use too, and I'll put them in the references. John Boudreaux is a very transactional, awesome strategic HR giant in the field. Another one that we've had speak at our conference, who's, who's a colleague, is, is David um, Ulrich, who the value mm. proposition. I, you know, I'll reference that more because he is really one of my big heroes. And then I have one, basically six key thoughts. The first is, again, you have to know what's there when you come in the department. Do a climate survey. How do the people feel? How do the, the leaders feel? Where do they think they need to go? What would they like to see happen? You'll start to see the patterns form. You'll do a manual factor analysis on it. Next, then you get in and do the audit. I probably do 40 to 50 audits a year because you have to know, not just when people say, we do it this way, I wanna see that they do it. If I'm challenged, I have to show it. So what is right, what, is, what needs updating? Traditionally, I like to put in my own forms and systems because I know where they're at, they've been challenged. But sometimes what they have is great and we can work with them. And then there's four other key areas. How you find them, how you bring them on. People leave within the first year, no matter how good you are, if they don't feel they're welcome. And then you wanna know how to develop and grow them and how you're gonna keep them. Those are the four key areas that go back to the definition. So once you know where there is, once you fix the problems and you're focused, now you're in a position to support. Now you're in a position to show value. And as, as Dave would say, you create within HR a value proposition. There's a saying in my world, telling ain't teaching. And you know that, you do development. It's a matter of bringing people to a place where they can see where the challenges are at and letting them know that you're there to serve them. I'm not gonna tell them what they need. I wanna find out what their, where their pain is at. And then I can be strategic. I can be advantageous to them. My, my infrastructure is laid as a department. I know where I'm going. And now I'm gonna look at either the dollar values, the relational values, the strategic values. And why this is really, really big right now is, you might not have heard, but we have a pandemic going. And, <laughs> and what's interesting is traditionally, if you look at the bell curve, and it's actually, I think more like this, the core of the people in HR and smaller, especially in smaller organizations under 500, have become what I would call HR administrators or coordinators. Somebody comes in, it's in leadership, and in good faith, they say, this is what I want, this is what I need. They don't ask you, they don't ask for your support, they don't bring you into the C group to support, unless it's a really large company. And so what happens is, you, sh you make sure that the papers are lined up. Well, what an opportunity I'm sharing with my grad students from all over the world, literally, that people don't know what to do in this pandemic. There's been a lot of chaoticness, chaos and order together, um, and people are looking to HR to say, what do I do? I have someone with COVID. We want to bring people back. How do we do that? This guy says he should be on unemployment. What do we need to do to lay tone so we can maintain our organization? I mean, those are questions all of them I've already had today once. And the point right. is, we have an opportunity to take those transactions there and build the bridge between transaction to transformation with the relationship. And if we have our tools in place, we can help. And by doing that, HR now can become a place of influence. And as Dave would say, mm -hmm. a place of, of value. So that's a, a long answer for a short question, but- uh, But I'm, I'm really impressed with the, something that you're doing here. I'm, I'm, I'm making some connections. Okay. So like if I was talking to an IT leader, mm -hmm. like a CIO, let's say, Mm -hmm. uh, if I was talking to a chief marketing officer, if I was talking to a uh, head of sales, if I was talking to a chief development officer for a nonprofit, we could just go on and on and on. Mm -hmm. 
in some way or another, they're going to end up talking about the soft skills and the hard skills for the role. If, right. if they're savvy, they're going to talk about the data, the quantification, the monetary measure, all of that, and the care for people, the care for the culture, the driving according to those values. And you've, in your answer, you've laid out qualitative and quantitative measures so you can demonstrate the value and care for people. And so it serves rather than has to be served. Like just, you know, got to push the paper around. Am I, am I tracking with, oh, with you? Absolutely. Absolutely. You've hit it right on the head, the nail. And let me go one step further. In my world, many times I have to make measurement to what? Litigation and losses. Mm. I mean, I'm in California, man. We're the most litigious state per capita per hundred people in the nation by far. And the average attorney is making about $50,000. They're underpaid, they're overworked, and they're hungry. So they're looking for every jot and tittle, everything that they can find to show that they're going to win. And the ethic isn't the issue in many of them, unfortunately. So what I need to do is I am focusing on the relational and we can share more about that as Christ so did. But also, like you said, I need to make sure all the ducks are lined up. I need to make mm. sure the systems are in place. Or to, as I look at one part of a, my model for leadership is um, character has to be first and methodology and system second. That's what you're saying too. It has to be who you are and why you do what you do as a leader before you can use the methodologies effective. If not, if it's flipped, we'll fail. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, every time, because systems do not trump who we are. People will sue you because they don't like you, not because you have a bad system. They'll use right. that as an excuse. But I've been in court enough as a, a testifying to know as an expert, people will sue you because you did something wrong. And let's not forget, this is very, 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 very important. This is the beginning thought. We are in a postmodern world. Truth is no longer absolute. There is not a true truth as in God's word. Truth is seen through the filter of the person. We could go back to the history of that. It's a whole other dialogue. But the point is, all those kids and many of the baby boomers there are seeing truth not as an absolute, you need to do it this way. Yet we're required, we want to set it up that way as, mm -hmm. right, our culture mm -hmm. and our values. And that's a whole other dialogue to be absolute there. But once they step out, it's what do they think? So if they don't like you, they're going to go after you. Or somebody in the family, I, in multicultural families, I mean, you know, where it's all across the board, they say, you need to watch out for yourself. The company may care, but what, someone else is going to care for you. So they go to somebody that just wants the dollars. And so what we need to do, it becomes even more and more important to have that relationship and who we are first and the love of Christ first while being fair through those systems. Mm -hmm. Because then we build trust. And I always say trust in Latin means I care less what you say and do because I know you're watching my back. That's huge. Mm -hmm. And I want the employee to know that when Ron Smedley makes a mistake or my, my supervisor or my manager or my CEO, they say, oh, that's okay. I know he cares about me. You know, mm -hmm. I can live with that. When I, he's fair to me through their filter of fair, not what the CEO thinks. You know? Yeah, that's really helpful. And so with that in mind, Ron, I'm going to bring a couple of things together here sure. um, because we're in this very specific and critical time. You already mentioned pandemic. You've touched a little bit on um, some of the real angst and anger that's not just culturally present in the U.S., but it's globally. It's spreading, you know, uh, and yeah. it's showing up everywhere and the pandemic is everywhere. And now you've got business leaders, people who are responsible for a workforce, they're responsible for the safety of the workplace and all that. Do we open the doors? And if we open the doors, how wide do we open them? How fast do we bring people back? I was reading today about Disneyland, Disney World and anguish. Do we dare open up? 
you know, what, what do we do? And there's so many employees that are hurting because they can't go to work, that work for places like that, and on and on it goes. And you've also been talking about this globally. Mm-hmm. So when this is all in play, you have decent systems in place, you care culturally, and now in the middle of pandemic and in the middle of uh, racial and cultural tensions. Oh, yeah. Uh, what What is in play right now for the HR leader that they must pay attention to? Well, that's, you're, you're hitting some good thoughts and questions. First, if I could, just briefly on the pandemic side. Sure. Um, first of all, you have to stay abreast. There's changes every day. I started off with a file this big that's now several gigabytes of information that I collect daily on changes that come up because I've got the CDC, I've got OSHA, I have Cal OSHA in California, I have the Department of, of Health and Safety, um, and then I've got other I've got laws to look at like ADA, and then of course we've got the the uh, FICRA and the CARES Act. I need to be abreast on everything, and what was current even three days ago may be different today. Mm. Um, and so, uh, for the COVID, I would just say you need to know what's going on to give good advice. Uh, I would ch- anybody that if, if I can help them, they can feel very free to reach out to me for what I have, um, federal or on a state level in California, either way. But we need we need to know what's going on, and and don't be afraid to ask for counsel. I love Proverbs eleven fourteen, right? Where there's no guidance, that people fails, but an abundance of counselors or safety. Talk to other people, and don't. And I have no disrespect. I have a high respect for legal counsel. They're not always the answer. They are legally absolute when they can be. HR people, good one, their role is to mitigate. HR, labor attorneys is to eliminate liability. So go to other people, go to your trade association if you're in HR, talk to others what they're doing. And I would say also, just because they're doing it, I'm one of those guys, don't believe it's the best practice. I've had many large, large, large organizations that I've needed to share it's not correct where small ones are doing it correct, um, do your diligence and make your choices well in that sense. And don't believe, if somebody says to do something, I always say, check on it, ask them why, always know the why behind the what, mm-hmm. and uh, you, it'll carry you a, a long ways. And so I could go on and on about what to do in the COVID area. I mean, there's, there's definite systems and processes, but let's talk about what else is going on. Um, and that's race and equality. Um, I'm gonna say again, Uh, like uh, the great uh, Rogers and Hammerstein, let's go to the beginning, a very good place to start. And the issue to me isn't a certain select group, although we could definitely talk about the the things that have happened that have shown injustice in that area, not just to one one group, not just to the black population, but also to others as well as the Indian population, et cetera. And there are things we need to focus on there, but to look at it from right now, straight HR, let me take a different perspective and say that I don't believe you can legislate morality. You know, people need Jesus Christ very candidly. But I do believe God has commanded us to follow the laws of the land. Like Romans, I could Romans and, and Titus 3 1, 1 Peter 2 13 and 14, but Romans 13 1, let every person be in subjective to the governing authorities and their laws. There is no authority except from God, given to God. And to go to the end of it, if basically you don't follow it, you're in condemnation. He's commanding us to follow the laws. That's a tough nut unless it's contrary to God's word, okay? And so we're commanded. So within that and not legislating morality, what do we do? I believe we need to look at how would Jesus Christ treat people if he was a manager today? 
what a great thought, you know, mm. because mm. There's, there's two key thoughts and it's, it sounds very um, opposite. He would treat him the same, but he treat him differently. Oh man, that sounds <laughs> a little bit odd. Why would he treat him the same? He would treat him the same with dignity, respect, integrity, and compassion because everybody, everybody is created in his image. It doesn't matter where they're from, who they are, what they do. It doesn't matter what they did, if it's bad or good. He would always treat him with dignity and respect. I always share to a leader, we can show dignity to a person we're having to let go for a very egregious act. And we can show the same dignity when we're rewarding, which is easy, someone that's done a fantastic job. But it doesn't matter who they are, we treat them the same. Doesn't, and, 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 if we, and if we treat them differently, when would we do that? When they're poor stewards of the responsibilities given to them based on their ability. When somebody is hired for a certain position, and now we're looking at the credibility of our systems, do we do a good job, but hired for a position, they don't follow the systems and the job description in place that we have, then we treat them differently. We would call it discipline in some ways. We would coach them first. I'm an advocate of coaching because 80% of issues get fixed that way in a sinful world. I want to add that. Um, but at the same time, if we have to eventually let them go, we treat them the same with dignity through the whole process and let them go because they weren't good stewards. So we treat them the same and, and, and um, because of who they are, different because of what the person does. Now, where does it come down for us as a CEO or executive or a leadership? It comes down to our attitude. It comes down to how do we see that and how we reflect that. Consistency is critical, but it, it, I believe that if we are to look at somebody and we treat them differently, and this has been our problem, if we treat people differently because of, um, of who they are, what do we call that? It's called discrimination, you know, race, color, creed, sex, national order, male, sass, mental condition, physical, mental disability. I could go through those. It's treating people, that's, that's absolutely wrong. We look at people's attitude and their ability to perform the job. That's what Christ said to do. That's what he did with the Pharisees. He blasted them because they were poor stewards of being the religious leaders of Israel. Okay, so we look at who we are all the time in our attitude and we treat people differently, good and bad, based on what they do. That's foundationally, if we look, took that as our foundation as a leader in the workplace, the, all the other pieces I think would fall in place, mm. candidly. Um, and so we, could we talk about those? Do we need to make some purposeful, absolute decisions on what to do because of inequalities that have recently become even more to the mm. surface? Absolutely. But that's mm. another whole week-long discussion about sure. month-long. <laughs> so just as one focus on how I would look at that, right. just for what it's worth. Thank you. Uh, we have time just for a couple more questions here, Ron. Okay. And I want to move to um, kind of the intensity of the moment, or we could say the frequency of the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, I th uh, some of the folks I'm talking with would say the number of conversations I'm having right now and the temperature of those conversations has mm. shifted. And uh, I've heard one person say it, and I'll ask the question this way, you know, what do you do if you're an HR leader and you've got more people who are not using the executive function of their brains at the moment? They're, they're so angry, they're, they're down in the lizard brain. You know, it's, it's right. fright and flight and freeze rather than thoughtful reflection. Uh, right. And then moving toward action that builds rather than action that tears down. Uh, and some tearing down, of course, would can be the mm -hmm. right response. Mm -hmm. um, but as as someone who's got to hold a workforce together and hold the line for a cu culture that moves forward and builds, uh, any any particular perspective there that helps those responsible 
for HR in particular in a business to help preserve calm and forward thinking and building? Well, um, I'm going to give a different perspective on what you shared, but I think Please the question do. is absolutely vital. First of all, I think it's important that we look at what I call voice and touch. And voice and touch is one aspect of a model I'm going to summarize in a moment in leadership, but I'm going to focus on, on what our philosophy should be. And voice and touch is communicating to others the way they need to hear it, not the way you'd want to share it. Hmm. When, Paul, when Paul came up and said, I'm to be all things to all people, part of that in the Greek is literally saying, as I'm communicating to Mark, I am to look at his inside out. So the content can stay consistent for Joe and Betsy and Sam, but how I communicate the content is going to be different. Sam could be a very altruistically focused person, not his behaviors, his filter. Mm -hmm. That's what mm -hmm. Paul's saying. Mm -hmm. So when I communicate to him about an issue, I want to share how it's not helping, say. And when uh -huh. I'm taught communicating to Betsy, who may be extremely process-driven and is very um, analytical and autonomizing her thoughts, and principle is very important, I'm going to share what has been violated there or possibly the challenge there. Knowing that they have already figured some things out, I'm not going to say she's wrong. I'm going to say let's open the bandwidth and look at, look at what's there to let her process that maybe she's wrong and at the same time uh, come up and share what we agreed to go forward with. But with, this is the same issue we're talking about here. So with mm -hmm. Joe over mm -hmm. here, who maybe be extremely focused on getting there, it's all about what's in it for me, the goal. And when he does that, like the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler said, good teacher, he said, good teacher, you know, what do I need to get here? Look, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a mini Paul. I did everything you said. I got all these cool things. It was all about the goal and the riches, right? The, the, the reward. Well, Christ spoke to his inner core. He said, hey, look, it, go sell it all and come back. Well, that was counterintuitive to what he had did. And he, could, he got it in the Greek, mm -hmm. but he couldn't mm -hmm. do it. The point is, that person, I want to share what it's all about for him and what's in it for him. Right, because he's focused. He's focused on on the reward, and mm -hmm. and and um, getting it for himself. The point I'm making is communicating to people as Christ did. Christ was all things to all men, so he would talk regardless of his filter, regardless of my filter. I want to communicate to Mark the way Mark needs to hear this content. And guess what? It's like Mark says, Ron knew me his whole life. I don't get it. Not because mm -hmm. of the information, but the but what's inside, it's, it's based on a theory called relationship awareness theory by Elias Porter. And I'm a big hero of his. And, and, and the whole idea is when we don't do that, we're giving out content or we're even shutting people down because what helpful person wants to hear there's 26 extra biblical readings about Jesus Christ in the Bible, which someone that's extremely analytical may want to know that. And it gets them going about who Christ is. He wants to know how Christ helped people, right? Well, it's the same in the workplace. It's the same in rewarding people. Don't reward people because of who Ron Smedley is. Reward them based on what, ask them, what do they want for a reward when they did well? Mm -hmm. That's a value proposition. It's a whole other model on compensation. I believe in value proposition compensation because um, it can be different for every person with the same job. So voice and touch becomes critical. Here's the other big thought about it. It's huge. Whereas I would say, if you get this, it's like the one-armed fisherman would say it's this big, okay? It's that big. And that is when we are walking in the spirit and in the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, and Galatians, God is directing our paths. Something comes at us that causes us to react because we feel threatened within who we are in God. So what do we try to do? We try to fix it. That's our human nature. When we try to fix it, we're reacting to what we believe is a threat to us. So we leave Christ and being walking, walking in the spirit. So when somebody is like you matter than a hornet, 
a boss, mm -hmm. they're there probably, right? They're not reacting in a gracious anger. So if I communicate, here's the big thought, the way they need to hear it, not the anger part, there's a model of it, but the way their filter is, guess what immediately happens? The problem doesn't get solved, but they immediately, the threat leaves, and yeah. now you're in a position to talk to them in a rational yeah. Humans with each other. That's, that's psych yeah. 202. It's not 101, yeah. but it's definitely there. And so if we know that, and we know how to do that, then we're in a place that we can communicate with them, and that takes mm -hmm. that away. Now, that's one part of a model of leadership that mm -hmm. I use, but it's a very, very critical part. It comes from Max Dupree's book, uh, Leadership Jazz, uh, um, and it's the prologue to his book. He shares okay. that thought. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Is there anything coming down the pike that you would say, hey, HR leaders, uh, C-suite leaders, get prepared for this. This, this. If you're not preparing for it, you're going to have problems. Uh, well, you know, it gets right down to a very concrete action step here. What would you say sure. be watching out for? Well, if I could give a, a call out to my colleagues and, and convene uh, members in California, don't forget July 1, there's an increase in our minimum wage, okay? That's just a sidebar. <laughs> You know, my clients will be getting a note on that. And you got to check that box. You got to check, you got to make the adjustment, especially if you're exempts, if you're going to bump them up because it's, you know, two times minimum wage times 2080. That's them. But for everybody, I would say I'm going to, I'm going to focus on COVID if I could, because I think mm -hmm. it's not going away. I don't know the reasons why it's not going away. There's a lot of, we can get into that, but be prepared. I'm already experiencing at the legal fallout. It is there. And Whereas when the crisis hit, what do we do? We respond in good faith, trying to do what's best for our people and trying to do what's best for organization. That's great. But now we need to take a very serious look at my compliance too. Because good faith will not keep you um, safe from somebody mm -hmm. suing you. And somebody may not sue you because they don't like you. Someone may sue you because they're broke and they need help. And someone says, I can get you money. Mm -hmm. I'm just being in a sinful world, postmodern world. I'm just being realistic. Um, need to make sure you're prepared for that as we're in a very litigious society. And, and, and I would say, do your audit, do your risk assessment across the board. If you've, if you've been a essential infrastructure or you're opening up now, make sure it's done properly. And if you don't know what properly is, find somebody, go to your HR person and say, look, make sure it's properly for me and tell me why. And mm -hmm. then have somebody else look at that and, and critique it because you don't want to be in a position where you tried to do well and you got dinged. That's mm -hmm. one thought. The other thing that's really important and I've, and I've shared, and then I'll, I'll pull it all together is that with COVID, we'll call it phase two, which some would say is coming, be prepared to react fast and respond quickly with wisdom. Um, it's going to, tomorrow the rules could totally be changed. And if you don't know what they are, you're two weeks later saying, really? And it could get you in a, in a ditch as well. Not just, not just a legal ditch, but also with your employees because something needed to occur or take place and uh, that, that should have. So you want to be accurate. You want to be up to date. You want to be consistent. Yet at the same time as an HR professional, remember that people are sinners. Remember that our goal in HR is to, be, is to do everything as a, in the business to, be, to present directly or indirectly Jesus Christ to be attractive. And we can talk to them when they ask about it so we want to have that opportunity, but they won't ask if they don't see the need and treat everyone the same in doing it. Um, be positive. Don't be adversarial. There's never a reason to be adversarial. And lastly, I would say, have your character be first and your process is next because our, our goal is to give glory to the Holy living God, but our role is to do everything for our people to succeed. 
within the scope of who we are, our character as an organization and individual, and then having good solid systems as we shared earlier to support that. So basically that's, that's what I see as being what I, and I'm looking to be prepared on. Um, I see it coming. Uh, will I, uh, my goal is not to react, it's to respond. Yeah. And, um, and I think the greatest thing is I shared back in the beginning is to create value. You want your, you want your C group for an HR professional say, I couldn't do this without you. Thank you yeah. so much yeah. because you're providing something that no other HR person in the history of your organization could do. And that's yeah. value because they didn't see you that way. And now they're stuck in the corner and you're getting them out of it. And you know what? They won't forget it when it comes right. to it. Right. Ron, I want to thank you. And uh, you've given anybody who watches this a lot to think about a lot that they can talk about with others. And we're gonna provide a discussion guide so mm -hmm. that anybody want to take, anyone who wants to take this back to their senior team or to others can sit down and talk it through. Uh, and everything from head and heart to really actionable items. Uh, so this has been a gift to anyone who watches it and puts it to use. So thank you very much. And I wanna wish you well as you continue to provide guidance where you have to keep educating yourself every day Absolutely. to be Absolutely. able to be helpful uh, where other people are being forced to play outside of their lanes. Yeah. Um, we're going to put Ron's uh, contact information here on the screen as we close. And I uh, want to thank you all who taken time to watch this. I want to wish you well as you care for uh, the business God's entrusted to you and as you serve as stewards. Ron Smedley, thank you, thank you very much. Thank you and for the opportunity. Goodbye, everyone. Blessings.